We are at installment number two of a series entitled Unite. And I want to make sure that we understand that all of this stuff that I'm teaching that I think will take us up a level, will make us better together, better out in the world for Jesus and so forth, all of this is couched in my expectation that God is going to send revival to our country, to our community, to our church. And revival in the evangelistic, a lot of souls being saved definition, rather than what the technical definition of revival means to live again. And uh, I did take Latin 157 years ago. And... Uh, I remember a little bit of it. And that word used the way I'm going to be using it and have been using it in recent weeks has to do with God sending the harvest. Uh, Jesus told us to pray. Plenty of harvest, not enough workers, pray. Are you doing that? And so it is in the context of the harvest that is coming, our responsibility to the harvest. <clears throat> it is our business to get ourselves out of the way so that, that we can have a pretty pure message and pretty pure love and pretty pure, pretty, that must be Oklahoma, pretty pure service to these people that are going to be coming in. So uh, you need to get pretty ready. I want to return to our text, which is uh, Romans 12, beginning with verse 1. And this is so potent, and I'm not even going to uh, do a lot with the um, exposition of the first part of this in this series, but I'm going to read it every Sunday, and I want you not to Turn it off. Well, there we are in Romans 12 again. Listen to it. Let it speak to your heart. Therefore, and the therefore there is looking back to the first 11 chapters of Romans. And it, it is, if you haven't read that recently, uh, it won't hurt your life. You will love it if you love Jesus. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, that which has been the foregoing, offer your bodies... As living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, this is your spiritual act of worship. So that uh, as Ferdy tries to get us pulled out a little bit into worship, and if you're praying for me, you might pray that if he makes us dance, that the Lord will give me the ability to do it. Um, the, <laughs> because some of us were born a little on the clunky side, George Westlake, uh, pastor of Sheffield Assembly for many years, now um, retired from that post, um, fell on a platform. He'd had two knee replacements, and he was bopping around, should have been standing still, and wasn't, and fell. And he said, I asked the Lord, why did I fall? And he said, the Lord said, 
my son, because I made you clumsy. And so I, you know, <laughs> I'm not the only one. So it's like, uh, but we have this thing being pulled out of us, pulled out of us, come out to, to do this worship, singing, playing instruments, clapping, dancing if we can, all of the stuff the scripture calls for is just another form of the real deal, which is to take your whole life and give it to God. That's the spiritual act of worship. And it will take other forms. It will take these wonderful things. And, and those who have musical talents just bless our socks off. And we are so indebted to them for being willing to serve the Lord this way. And the one million hours per person that goes into to making a great musician. And we, we thank you all who do that for us. God bless you. But all of us can and must do this spiritual act of worship, which is to give our bodies as a living sacrifice. This is kind of like, it's illustrated, let me say, by the tongues talking business when we are just praying. It's not to be interpreted. There's not the gift of tongues. It's just the prayer language. And our mind does not know what we're saying. Now, that is doubly counterintuitive. But... Our body is being used to voice a prayer in the perfect will of God, prayed by the Spirit of God, goes straight to the Father, and it, it, it's a real deal. So if you can't dance, pray in tongues and try to learn to dance. But don't stop praying in tongues because that's a spiritual act of worship. That's where your body is just being laid down. You are giving your voice over to the will of God, the Holy Spirit, to pray through you a perfect prayer. You ought to get excited about that. Boy, you guys are controlled. Maybe, you, maybe you're a good dancer like I am and you're still sort of suffering from that or something. I don't know what's going on. Uh, this, is, this is an opportunity for you to be in the front line to be as good as there is in prayer. Get the message. If, if I weren't married like I am, I could say, hello, but I can't do that. So get the message. Now, don't conform any longer to the pattern of this world. And we'll talk a little bit about that in a minute. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The Word of God renews your mind. Waiting in prayer renews your mind. Submitting to the will of God renews your mind. When in that state you have the Word and the Spirit and humility in your life, you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. And those of you who grew up with the King James have been taught perhaps that there are three uh, wills of God. His good, acceptable, and perfect but there's not one, three wills of God. There's just one, and it is good, acceptable, and perfect. And so there is one will of God, and if you miss it, humble yourself under God right then, and you're back in his will. Get, get rid of this, well, I miss God. I married the wrong woman. That's just a cop-out. Get over it. Well, I wasn't going to preach about that, so let's go back here. This word from the Holy Spirit continues to us from 
the apostle's heart. For by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. You're not as wonderful as you might think. Get over it. Rather, think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body. Each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him work hard, govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, keep a positive attitude. Let him do it cheerfully. And this morning we're going to talk about communication in the unity setting. Unite is where we are, what we must do, and we know that reckless words, the scripture says, pierce like a sword. But the tongue of the wise brings healing. We know that the tongue has the power of life and death. We know that words can crush the spirit. And I just want to say this to us all. The fruit of our mouth, our words, our statements... Planned and unplanned. That fruit is supposed to be the fruit of the Spirit, which is listed in many places in Scripture. Galatians has a very nice, concise listing. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. So I want to move us today toward the kind of communication that will be healing. And what, I've, what I have done is pulled from an unknown author, some preacher somewhere. I, do, I, I can tell you that it was written by a clergyman, a pastor, actually. Ten Commandments for Communication. So uh, Ten Commandments of Communication, probably he, he was probably writing in the church. Since I couldn't follow this through and, and give credit I just know that uh, I agree with him or her, whoever wrote it. Number one, Ten Commandments. If you have a problem with me, with the staff, with the leadership, please come to me privately or to the person with whom you have the prob- uh, problem. Do not go to others. Amen. Okay? Now, that's going to cramp your style. But let me tell you what it says here. In um, Matthew 18, I don't have this on the, um, in the slideshow, but it says in verse 15, write this down, Matthew 18, 15, and read it later. If your brother sins against you, go and show him his fault, just between the two of you. If he listens to you, you've won your brother over. If he will not listen, take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. If he refuses to listen even to the church, treat him as you would a pagan or a tax collector. 
Now, that's, that's the scriptural basis. That is very, very clear from the words of the Savior himself how to deal when somebody gives your toes a really good stomping or an instep crusher, whatever. When they get on your turf in a negative way, well, let's just go tell everybody and build up an army against them. That's what we do. Now, if you're new in this congregation, understand a couple things. This is one of the most peaceful places I've ever been. Thank God. You guys are weird. You're so peaceful and love the Lord and love each other. And uh, so I'm going to imply stuff that may be overstated. And then understand that this kind of sarcastic overstatement is my favorite style of communication. So... Those are the two things you need to know if you're new here. Um, I'm actually a lot meaner than I sound. So watch yourself. If you have a problem with that, you have no option but to come and nail me. Do you know that if, it, if the scripture means what it says, you can't even tell your spouse okay well I know I knew that would fly I was sure of that number two if I have a problem with you I will come to you privately I I promise you to do that I, I do not have a need to to um, develop an army so that I can just plow you under I'm mean enough myself to take care of that without any help so no Folks, this is serious. If we all do this, all of our problems will be dealt with one on one. Does that sound good? Or do you, you say, well, I'm not going to stop talking to my friends. What about my prayer partners? That sounds to me like your gossip partner. Uh, we're out of control in some cases, I don't see much of that here, but I, I have these connections in some, of the, some congregations, and it is just appalling how we manage conflict. Let's, I'm, I'm mad at Pat Jobes. He should stay here instead of going off and doing God's will. It's not God's will anyway. He just says it is. And if I can just get you... On my side, maybe we can force him to stay here. I think Elaine could do it if she wanted to, but she, you know. Now, do you see how we do dumb stuff? The word is don't in a word. Number three. <laughs> no, let me, let me say one more thing before I leave. That this... Uh, what we do, and some of you have seen that in a young marriage, the bride will get all mad at her, at her groom and, and dump all this stuff on her mom, maybe both parents, and, and of course they just pick up that offense as if they, their son-in-law is the grossest person that ever drew breath. And before you know it, the bride is all fixed back with the groom. And mom and dad are still just going. <laughs> it's awful. 
that. Try prayer. You say, you, you're just wanting us, we need, we need uh, accountability partners. Okay, if you're going to be spiritual and talk about your problem, and they are spiritually astute enough to say, don't you tell a soul. You get that worked out in your prayer closet. Let's pray right now. And you're just on the phone. You're just, if, if you've got one like that and they're rare. This past week, I got a phone call from another state. And it was one of my prayer partners. And something had gone south in the congregation. And I just said, you're going to have to meet God. You're going to have to get this out of your spirit. You're going to have to work through it. Every once in a while, I actually function like a Christian. It's amazing. I'm, I'm sure that person was amazed. But um, no, that person's astute, and I was saying what they knew. But uh, we really need. Now, if, some, if you just don't like somebody, it's really easy for you to take offense at something, and they, you know, they don't know what they're doing. So you go to them and say, boy, that really did hurt my feelings when you did that. And they're going to go, oh, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm sorry, I don't know. Be careful about just nailing. If they really did something and it has to be dealt with, you have to deal with it. But a lot of us are so fragile you need to make sure you're in the spirit before you come and nail us. You know, this is better than your, you know, Barry, what's the line? I'm preaching far better than your amen or something like that. Uh, so here is, here is a deal that might work for you. I, I didn't come up with this myself. One of my colleagues in a lesson was teaching on this subject, and he said, Wait three days and pray and seek the Lord. If it's, if it's still eating you, then you need to go and work it out or you'll become bitter. So you have to go. Now, I want to say something here. That in such a circumstance, we're dealing with two things. We're dealing with the issue of just plain forgiveness. Forgiveness can be dealt with between you and God. You can go into your prayer closet and use the Lord's Prayer. And when you get down to point number five, you're going to be saying, Okay, Lord, I need you to forgive me. And you're going to be looking for something that you've done and say, I, I, I don't like that. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. That was wrong. And then you're going to say, Okay, now, whom do I need to forgive? And bonk, it's going to get right up in your face. You can, with the grace of God, cancel that debt right there in the prayer closet. However, number two, if you are in a regular relationship with this person, you see them regularly, then you have a second issue, which is reconciliation. You don't have a choice but to forgive. Well, they didn't ask for forgiveness. Well, tough. Forgive them anyway. Because the Father will forgive your sins, Jesus said, just as you forgive those who sin against you. Well, they don't deserve it. Well, just like you deserve to be forgiven. You were so wonderful. Jesus probably wasted his sacrifice in your case. 
Let's don't be stupid. This is real, folks. We are dealing with our eternal soul. We are dealing with spiritual life. We are dealing with stuff that will make us or break us. Prayer closet can make almost all of it happen. Now, if it's reconciliation, you can't do that in your prayer closet. You have to go and be reconciled nose to nose. I don't like them. I don't want to go. That's what Jesus said. You you have to go and be reconciled unless you don't like them. And then you don't have to go. You know, hello, folks. This is about eternal life. Don't play games with the word of God. Don't play games with stuff that's as clear as the sunrise. You say, well, I can't see the sun every morning when it rises. No, there are clouds, but it rose, and you can count on that. And the word of God is clear, and you can count on that. Well, I don't want to, or they abuse me. Well, you've got a wonderful opportunity to grow. And one of the ways that the the Lord intends for you to grow is to walk over there to them and say, I need to talk to you about some stuff that came down the other day. I may have misunderstood what happened, but if I didn't misunderstand it, it hurt my feelings. As a matter of fact, it hurt my feelings whether I was right or wrong. My feelings got hurt. Now, talk to me about that. I want, I want everything clear between us. We need to be close. And if they spit on your shoe or higher, um, we'll get to that in a minute, but You see what I'm saying? There is forgiveness. You get that worked out in your prayer closet, and then you go and be reconciled. Now, if someone, let let me just go on here. I I could preach here all day, but I want to say some other things. If someone has a problem with me and comes to you, Bring them to me. That's number three. That's not rocket science. You can do that, can't you? Now, it's much, much more fun to our flesh to say, yeah, I know. I, he's done that to me before. I, uh, I understand how you feel. And so you begin to build this little thing that coddles their flesh in its sin, and you're probably joining in with them, and Jesus is not pleased with that. And the Holy Spirit, if he loves you, will come and get you. And that's a threat, promise, whatever. Number four, if someone consistently will not come to me when they are offended, I deputize you to come with them. And in, this, in our text for this passage so that in the mouth of two or three witnesses, <laughs> every matter may be established. I know that you look, some of you look alert. Some of you don't look that alert, actually. Let's do number five. When you go to someone, just speak for yourself. Have you ever had somebody come to you and and say, um, boy, a lot of people are talking about, and then they nail you? Ever had that? That's fun. A lot of people are talking. 
Because in my case, if that said to me, I'm going to say, well, who is it? Because I need to know. I need to go to them. You see, this is not the only passage if your brother sins against you. If you have sinned against your brother, you need to, in your worship setting, you leave the worship setting and go be reconciled to them, Scripture says. Jesus says. So this is heavy-duty stuff. And you know what? When this is practiced, everybody can be full of joy, can enjoy each other. You don't have to see each other for a whole week. But when you do see each other, it's just a pleasure. It's just, praise God, how you been? And you care. I mean, it's not like, you know, good manners. It's like, I like this person. This is possible, folks. It is possible for humans. Now, we need some kind of robot, I know, to do this and show us how this is done. Only, that's not the will of God. The will of God is that in your perverse heart and in mine, this be lived out. Hallelujah. By the way, just for the record, I've noticed that when somebody says people are talking, if there is someone besides this person I'm talking to that's saying somebody's talking, it's usually family. So watch family. It is not okay to take up your family's offense. You say, well, bless God, our family sticks together. Well, don't go to hell stuck together. And if they're going to go to hell, unstick. I have no plan for you to go to hell. That's not your option. I'm going to try as best I can in your face and in my prayer closet to stand between you and hell. That's not a good plan. Don't go. Okay? And if your family is carnal, pray for them. Why do you think God has revealed the spirit to you and given you the heart and the, the discernment to see that, that they're carnal? He wants you to pray for them. And you in your prayer closet can change them. Don't fix them with your mouth. Don't preach. <laughs> I've got lots of illustrations there, and I'm not going. <clears throat> Just speak for yourself. All right, number six. If it's confidential, keep it confidential. Now, this is why I know it was written by a preacher, because we're expected to keep confidences. And... Um, we will keep this confidence um, if, if you now get something in it, like when you're working at an altar or something and someone is going to hurt themselves uh, or someone else, especially if a child is being harmed or uh, in some way abused, uh, you might ought to tell us, the, we the pastors who get the big bucks, we can carry that. And we will protect your confidences unless it, it is um, mandatory reporting. So keep confidences. You know, you remember the, the three ministers that were together, and one, and, and they just they just kind of let all the defenses down, and, and one of them said, you know, I I really um, I, I just really like a, a good stiff snort of hard liquor every once in a while. And the other one said, uh, the next one said, um, I really, I really enjoy a, a good stogie. 
and my congregation, we call it sin, but I, I just can't call it sin. It's just, I just enjoy it too much. And then the third guy said, um, well, you guys have been transparent. I appreciate it. My, my besetting sin is gossip, and I can't wait to get out of here. So, we will try <laughs> to keep it confidential. Now, number seven was on this list, and I, I have not had an unsigned letter for a couple generations. But in this list that I can't give credit to the author, we will not read or be swayed by unsigned letters or notes. And... Um, if you do send us a note signed and it's got something that's important, we may want to talk to you. That's not a threat. We just, you know, we, we want unity. I want it. The staff wants it. We are working on this stuff in our own hearts and lives. And we want every question to be answered. And uh, I'm ahead of myself. Let's go to number eight. We will never be manipulated by pressure or threats. And uh, I don't, I haven't experienced that. I don't remember when I've experienced that. Um, there hasn't been much of that in my entire ministry, and I have been a a pastor for over fifty years. But it, the the deal is what what was talked about in what was meant. I think when this was written was uh, well, you don't do what I say, I won't pay my money or whatever, and um, that kind of manipulation is really really low on the spiritual totem pole or high on the sin totem pole maybe but um, we try not to manipulate here uh, you know that when we receive an offering if you think we're all we're about is money we need to get a better style of taking offerings because uh, you know you barely get, catch the word that it's time to take the offering and it's over and that's not manipulation now uh, if we start taking longer to encourage faith and faithfulness, don't consider that manipulation because it's our job to teach you about giving because it's huge in the kingdom of God, it's huge in the scripture, and it'll be huge in your life. And if you haven't learned to trust God with your finances, boy, do we have some dandy promises and some exciting futures in your lives. So plan on that, but um, we are not going to manipulate you. I I know of a church right here in this town that they were in financial difficulties. And uh, so the leader of the, of the congregation said, we're not going to proceed with this service until I get seven people who will give us $10,000. Now that's called manipulation. And that, that's a shock to you who have been around here a long time because we just, it's like, you know, when we have a missionary and sometimes we take a second offering. As a matter of fact, every month, just about, we take a second offering in the same service. And I knew that's all you wanted was my money. But the way we say it, now here's the need. Please make your check out to Crown Point Church. And then there's a little pause and we get this wonderful line. I'm stalling so you can write a large check. And then, and then God bless you as you give. And that's, that's not manipulation. And I will not accept that as an accusation. We will not manipulate you for your money. If you don't have it, don't give it. If you're not moved to give or don't have faith to give, don't give. If you don't have faith, we're praying that God will bring you up so you can get under his blessing. But in the meantime, God can meet our needs without you being squeezed like, uh, you know. 
like your little wash rag. Where I grew up, we called it a wash rag. Number nine, always feel free to ask any questions you may have. One of the great things through the years in the churches in America has been questions about money. Now, we put out an annual audit. We pay a lot of money to get people to come in and make us count for every stinking penny. They're not stinking. I mean, every last penny. And uh, you may not like where we spend the money, but we can tell you where it went. And that's a good thing. If you have questions about money, anything else, ask me. Uh, ask any other leader, if we don't have the answer, we'll try to do research and get it for you. We do not, this is not a secret order in, in any sense of the word, except that we are undercover agents for God Almighty trying to be seditious in the kingdom of Satan and subvert every member of his kingdom we can. We are undercover in that way and that way only. We are after lost people we are after people who don't know whether there's a god or not or who so are so sure of their of their awful past of doing wrong things that god would never accept whatever their problem is we're after them everything else is above board okay and number 10 be careful of miscommunication always assume that communication problems are just that communication problems and if we can understand each other we'll be fine now a large part of this list is like i almost backed out of doing the whole 10 commands because you know it's like several of these things like i've, I've not seen that but there's some of it i have seen and i thought well, we'll just do the whole bunch because if we can live like this we will be far better prepared to do in a healthy way what God has set up for us to do with the lost people that are coming to Jesus. Because if you are not walking with the Lord, I just want you to know that we are out to get you, not because we are so special, but because God is out to get you. And if that sounds like a threat, it's not. God is out to get you, not with this great big fist at the end of this long long arm and you need to keep moving or else he might catch you still and just go smash and a lot of us have felt that way as a matter of fact i think more than half of us have actually had that emotion we may not have we may not have ever put it into words but but that's a feeling let me tell you the facts in the matter god does have a long arm now, that's a long arm right there. It's to the extent that it's hard to find shirts that will fit if, they're, if they got sleeves. But that, this is nothing compared to this arm of God. Because he is reaching out to get around you. And as much as you can tolerate as rapidly as you can tolerate he wants to pull you up onto his lap so that he can heal you so that he can save you the holy spirit has a word and it's been on my heart and i i didn't realize where it needs to fit in the 11th chapter of romans there is this incredible incredible verse 
11.32 of Romans. For God has bound all mankind over to disobedience so he can just smash the tar out of them. No, 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 no. So that he may have mercy on them all. The Phillips translation says, God has pinned all men in the prison house of disobedience so that he may have mercy on them all. That is the, that is the most colorful, glorious, comforting, encouraging, healing fact. If you are a dirty, rotten sinner, God knew it. And he puts you in the dirty, rotten sinner cell in the prison house of disobedience. You know why you're there? So he can keep track of you and show you mercy. So that if this stuff about the harvest and so forth, you're feeling it's like, are you talking about me? Yes, actually. If you're not walking with the Lord, I'm talking about you. And I just want you to know that God intends to save you, heal you, give you purpose in your life, set your feet on a path that is going to be so meaningful and so satisfying, you will find yourself having more fun spending less money. That's a good plan, especially in today's economy. Like drugs are subject to the law of diminishing return, that is, you have to have a harder hit to get the same buzz. The opposite is true in the kingdom of God. It takes less blessing to have the same joy. Until you get to the place where your faith, just you just kind of walk in joy. And you know people like that. You know people who are happy in the Lord just about all the time. Just about all the time. I remember when I discovered this about 40 years ago. I was pastoring. Eunice and I were at, a, at First Assembly in Duncan, Oklahoma. We were there for 10 years. And um, there was this grand old gal that lived across the street, right straight across from the parsonage, which was next door to the church. And I was, I was teaching this, and I was just making a big deal out of this happy and this joyous and this uh, victorious thing. And after the service was over, she got me and said, Pastor, there have always been people like that. There have always been people that just pressed on through, got the joy, got the victory, did the forgiving when they were hurt, uh, dealt with the, the awful crushing things that life delivers. I, you see, I'm not talking about being free from what life brings. I'm talking about being free from the death in our hearts that results from what life brings. Life's not very funny. We've got two different families that are facing death like today. That's not funny. One of our men lost his um, mom one week ago today. That's not funny. Death is awful. But that's not the whole story. And I long for us to be so free in our relationships with each other our relationships with the Lord, our relationship with life, to just be full of joy. That's the will of God. Let's pray. Father, would you bless every heart here with a sense...